Birthday boy, 44 years. We call him Barack Obama years. Big Rob, what's going on, good brother? What's good, brother? Yo, I feel like we was just here two days ago. <laughs> we were. We were. We literally were. It's kind of weird because uh, this morning, I should say this afternoon, after my afternoon nap, for people that know, I take a nap every day at 2 o'clock. Just kind of, you know, saying, uh, revitalize the, the, the cells and rejuvenate the body. But I woke up and I was paranoid. I'm like, oh man, it's time. I gotta do the show. I gotta get my stuff together. And it was like 5.30. I mean, I had plenty of time, but just the fact that, like I said, we did it the other day, but the other day was more, you know, more fun as today we get back to, you know, doing doc, doc business. You know what I'm saying? So, definitely, you know, definitely. but uh, how was your day? How was your day? Let's start with that first 44 years. How was your day? So that actually has been the question of the day um, today for me, people hit me up, ask me, how was your birthday? Would you do whatever like that? And the word, the one word that comes to mind, um, well, not the word that comes to mind, but the word I use most was different. Okay. Um, because I, I always make a big deal for my birthday. Um, I always say this is, you know, August is my birthday month. I'm celebrating right. one to 31. Um, right. and one yeah, yeah, I'm one of them people. <laughs> so this was the first year, um, I am going to make a big deal about my birthday, but I didn't make a big deal about it yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, that was more about uh, me kind of revisiting my past, re- revisiting, you know, for lack of better terms, some demons from my past or whatever that um, okay. I kind of shoveled under the carpet for years. So it was different because, um, you know, I went to go uh, see my father's gravesite for the first time since he passed. And and, and so many words have a, a conversation with him mm-hmm. um, or just release some stuff that I had been holding on for a long, long, long time. So I walked away. I, I went not knowing what I was going to feel like or what to expect. And I walked away actually feeling very good. And even though he wasn't there with me physically, right. it felt like I had a conversation with him. And I was I was I gave myself the chance to say some things. So it was cool. Um, but, you know, okay. I did. Only thing I did. Um, um, to actually celebrate or acknowledge it was go bowling last night. Um, okay. But I got some plans. I was supposed to go play golf today. Didn't do it. It's raining. Um, it's raining. You ain't going yeah. to be on them links. It's raining. Yes. Saturday, I got some plans. I'm going to get my golf in at another point, do some other activities. So we got, we got some days plans left. Saturday. We got some plans Saturday. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Okay. All right. I, I, I ain't know if we wanted to tell the people all that. No, time. we ain't going to tell the people. I'm just saying, you know, we're going to be hanging out. Yeah, yeah. But I, I want to say this too on, on, a, um, on, a, on another note. Yo, I give you mad respect and props. I know we discussed it in a few episodes back, but also just discussed it throughout our friendship, especially as fathers um, trying to mm-hmm. parent that, you know, I know you you had, um, you've always stressed the part that you wanted to be a better father um, mm-hmm. than what you had as far as, you know, with your father, of course, and, and not to, you mm-hmm. know, put it like that. I don't want to sound like uh, in, in, um, uh, insensitive, but I know that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you doing that, you know, I commend you. I give you mad props, man. And, and you know, that's a lot of things. That's that's some things that a lot of brothers may not uh, be able to do um, mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever. So I definitely give you props on uh, that uh, 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 whatever the case be. All right. So w- what else we got going on? What else we got going on? So, you know, this is August. Um, it's, a, it's actually, a, you know, they do national, whatever this month, national that. Um, it's Black Business Month. Um, I believe we got um, 
favorite sandwich day or something coming up. Right. Um, but August is also the official back to school month um, yes. for kids and how our country looks at that. And being as though that's, it's officially back to school month, I had a minute to reflect on a former student of mine. So if you don't mind, I want to dedicate this episode to a young man that touched my heart many years ago. And he still is to this day. He is to this day. Um, unfortunately, this young man, his life was cut short um, about three or four years ago. Um, when I used to teach in um, Orange, Orange, New Jersey, I taught a young man by the name of Davon Jones. Um, rest in peace to him. Rest in peace. Um, well, you know, I want to give a shout out to his mother because um, she's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Um, books over books. I mean, um, books over boots, man, is, is the hashtag that, you know, she's, they started in honor of him. And Wait, he definitely say, say chose, the hashtag again nice and clear so the people can hear you. Books over boots. I mean, sorry, books or boots. I'm sorry. Books, books or, or boots. boots is the hashtag. Yes. All right, people, yes. books or boots is the hashtag for the young man that lost his lives. Go ahead. Continue on, brother. Yeah, and this and this this man had he had the whole his whole life ahead of him. Like I kept in touch with him after I was I was no longer teaching him after I had already moved to Philly and we were starting a mentor process and then his mom called me one day and let me know what happened. Um mm. she asked me to speak at his funeral. Um I was mm. honored to do that. And man, I, I don't I I've seen a lot of death in my life. Yeah, um, from the time I was young to the time I was older. And I think the, mm. the amount of times that I've cried over losing people mm. um, was less than five because I'm just, I saw it at such a young age. So I, I handled death differently. Right. Um, but that one really broke my heart, man. And I lost it, you know, over him. But, you know, to this day, he stays on my heart. And, you know, I just really want to dedicate this episode to him and, you know, his mom. And, you know, I want to keep his legacy alive. So. Well, listen, man, there's nothing else more that I can say. Definitely, we dedicate, we'll dedicate the episode to him. Um, and, and, and not only to him and his legacy, but for the work that you want to do going forward in honor of his name. So, but like you said, we are back to school. Um, I know we have a, a, a lot of uh, uh, information we're going to touch on tonight, you know, with our episode mm-hmm. as far as our difficult decisions, um, school life and uh, school life and COVID-19 and talking about, you know, this whole yeah. situation as far as us going back to school, sending students back to school and teachers and administrators I mean, this is a big, 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 uh, if you want to put um, uh, sphere um, in which we are definitely, um, we are definitely uh, uh, kind of uh, dealing with. Uh, One of the things that I will say is um, I just watched a special on NBC and the Mm -hmm. special discussed, you know, uh, the fears, the politics, Mm -hmm. the uh, adjustments. And one of the thing, and here's the thing, and I'm not trying to make light of this. This is the, I'm not trying to make light of this, but I do want to say this. Um, one of the things that, although I'm not in the classroom anymore, one of the mm. things that I would always look forward to as an educator, and I know the kids would look, or I should say as a kid, I would look forward to is back to school, is school mm. shopping. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, day, right. Fresh haircut. You know what I'm saying? The first yeah. day of school, you got your fresh outfit on. Like, you can't do that in virtual order. Like, I'm going to get dressed up, throw my brand new sneakers, my brand new uniform polo shirt, mm-hmm. like most districts, you know what I'm saying, in the city, they wear uniforms to go sit in front of a computer. So it's like, right. you know, those little things, man, like the first day of school, you know, some parents, you know, they'll stay home and they'll make their kids' favorite breakfast and things of that nature. So right. it's the little things like that that I think people even... Walking your kids to school. Walking their kids to school, you know I mean? That, like, here's the thing. Kids are excited two days out of the year. The first day of school and the last day of school. <laughs> Teachers are excited right. the, first, the same way. 
first day of school to last day of school. Everything in between is just work. You know what I'm saying? It's just right, trying to make right. it, you know? So, but in all seriousness, in all honesty, man, you know, we want to, um, we definitely going to tackle it. Um, hey, we, we got some, got some people that, that have been waiting patiently, you know, we doing our intros and all like that, but I definitely, you know, we want to get right to the nitty gritty. Cause you know, here on the Doc and Dust podcast, we want to get the people the raw, the relevant and the real. So, um, Let's let's just get right to it, man. You got anything you want to go through first? Um, well, I guess we can start with introducing our guests. Yeah, bring yeah, them yeah. in. I, we jump right. We gonna jump I, right into I, this I th- thing. I think we should do that since we did ask him to come on. So, what <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Miss Um, hold on, let me let's let's do this. All right, we'll let Miss Miss Carr go first. Miss Carr, can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, I'm a little loud. I get a little excited here on the Doc and Dust <laughs> podcast. So, you know what I'm saying? But introduce yourselves. Tell the people uh, who you are. Thank you. Um, I've been enjoying the end of uh, the conversation I just heard. I'm Dr. Carr. I'm a hepatologist, Carr, which is a, it's okay, um, uh, which is a liver doctor. And I work at the University of Pennsylvania. And I also run a lab uh, where I do uh, research on lab animals and cells on liver disease. And I have um, two kids in the Philadelphia school district, a rising first grader and a rising fifth grader here at Penn Alexander. And I'm very active with uh, education advocacy. So um, I am on the board of Education Law Center. I'm on the board of uh, Kids Preschool Parent Infant Center. And I'm also an HSA board member um, at Penn Alexander. Now, where's Penn Alexander located? It's um, in West Philly, uh, in the, I guess, the University City subdivision of West Philly. I think I know where that is. Is that between uh, Locust and Walnut? Yeah. Right, by, right across from the CVS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know exactly what exactly. I mean. What you know in your city? I was yeah. part of you, man. That's cool. Listen, real quick, real quick, Doc. Uh, the, the real Doc, not you, Rasan. We're talking to the real Doc. Um, the one thing, I, when I used to work in our area, I worked at Intercultural Family Services. Just real quick. I used to always rob, like, go by that school, and I used to always say, damn, I would love to teach it because it looks so clean. And it's <laughs> like, it's like right in West Philly. You know, West Philly's, you know, yeah. hood. You know what I'm saying? So I would always go by there like, man, if I could teach it, that's cool. And I think I went in there a few times for like a PD or something like that when I was in the district um, or whatever the case may be. But uh, hold on, Dr. Carr. We have our, another, uh, uh, our next guest. All right. Um, Miss uh, Rebecca Ariaga. She's the parent coordinator at uh, Camden City Schools. Miss Ariaga. Hey everyone, how right, are you? Right, right. She's, now this is now this is a, a good friend of, of 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 ours or mine as well. Um, so tell us who you are. Tell us what you do and all that other good stuff. Um, again, my name is Rebecca Ariaga. I I'm a family operations coordinator for the Kansas City School District. Um, born and raised in Camden, I am very passionate about. Um, family and community engagement and uh yeah that's it what you do more than that she's shy. i know but i'm just I'm, no i'm not shy i'm just getting to the meat and potatoes of things so. okay all right that's well, it like i said we thank you guys for coming on because like i said we definitely want to uh discuss um you know what's going to be going on within the next few weeks and also what's been going on for the past the past few weeks as far as COVID 19. so let's dive right in doc 
the other doc, not the real doc, the <laughs> other doc, doc uh, uh, Dr. Turpin. Go ahead, boss. Let's, let's, let's start this thing off. Yeah, so I want I want to you know first first focus on like the things that we know about um, this pandemic in terms of numbers. Um, I think the U.S. Um, well, my personal opinion hasn't hasn't handled this whole situation um, the way we should have. We should have. We've had um, almost two hundred thousand deaths um, and five million cases of COVID nineteen. Um, and that's according to Johns Hopkins University. And then worldwide, there has been 737,000 deaths, which is, um, I'm not a math wizard, but I think that's that's about 20, 20 to 30% of the overall over, of the overall count. So um, for me, um, I'm torn. I'm a parent as well. Um, I work in education. And, you know, I, I think as Americans, this, this, whole epidemic i mean sorry pandemic has not been taken very seriously one of the main things i see is people not wearing masks um and you know people say it's a violation of my rights for you to tell me that i have to wear a mask and so you know they're like i'm not going to do this but you see what happens you know when people when people don't do that and um the biggest issues um right now is of course us going back to school so um, I want to open up the conversation, um, just, you know, just talking about that, because other countries have gotten this right, like South Korea has gotten it right. I think America has handled the, the, the situation, you know, totally wrong. So um, I guess a question that I have is how, how is telling us to wear a mask um, a violation of our rights, but also, you know, what message is the, is the country telling, sending us when certain things can be opened up? And, you know, you guys are free to congregate in these areas, but in other ways, they're saying, you know, stay home and keep yourself safe. I think that's kind of like an oxymoron. Yeah, so. I agree with that. Um, you, you've really hit the nail on the head. Um, people confuse uh, rights and responsibilities all the time uh, in this country. There are lots of things where we're required to do um, just by nature of us being a community member, by nature of us being a, a citizen, right? That are not ingrained in the constitution. Um, you know, we can't walk into certain places uh, unclothed, for example. Um, and we should not view this any differently, especially when people are literally dying um, every, every minute from this disease. Um, I think it's unfortunate uh, this has been politicized Mm. Uh, and we can see that in terms of, in my view, uh, the number of the, the, the states that have had the recent, the recent um, severe surges, um, they really mm. have not had any uh, masking policies. Um, and history repeats itself. We learn from the, the, the Spanish flu um, that masking is what was really a critical part of their public policy. Yeah. So it's, it's not something that's made up by... Um, the current uh, leaders in, in Congress or those vying for, for certain offices and certainly not made up by the scientists. Um, this is something we've seen even historically that's, that's made a difference. It's a very simple strategy that honestly, if, if we got 80 to 90% of people to wear masks, we could lower the community spread and actually get kids to school even more safely than we can now. So, Doc, I don't want to cut you off. The real Doc, I don't want to cut you off. As a medical professional, <laughs> as a medical professional, I'm going to throw this, I'm going to, and, and Rod, I don't want to step on your toes, but I want to also give Miss uh, uh, mm -hmm. Adiaga um, 
a chance to uh, answer the question as well. But as a medical professional, Doc, you said we politicized this virus. Why is it that it has become politicized? Like the medical expert experts, I call him the godfather, Dr. Fauci. I call him the godfather. He has told the pres well, the person in the White House how to go about this. He said it on numerous occasions. He's been ostracized. The director of the CDC, he said these are the guidelines. He's been ostracized. The brother, the bald head brother that always wear the mask, uh, uh, the Surgeon General, he said wear a mask initially. He's been ostracized. So how is it that medical professionals have been ostracized, but they're presenting the facts? Yeah. I think um, to be completely fair, people are seeing science the way we scientists always see it. Um, they're seeing science unfold in real time, and that's pretty unheard of in most people's lifetimes. Most people are um, used to reading about science and scientific discoveries way after the fact, right? After we have, you know, passed it through our own scientific communities, maybe sometimes even years ahead of the time the public um, get wind of it. And so part of it is that people are not familiar with how scientific discoveries are made and what they're seeing is the real real-time science in action so we we develop hypotheses we test those hypotheses sometimes we're right sometimes we're wrong but we have to make decisions based on the on the information that we have at the time and then build on that and that's uncomfortable i think from the beginning of the pandemic, there are so many things we didn't know. There's still so many things we don't know. And uh, scientists were in the position of having to help uh, create policy based on the little information we did have. So the masking policy did shift. Um, but that was just the nature of, of how we came to learn that masks were actually uh, way more effective than than we um, in the scientific community had initially realized. So I think that people did get confused um, in the beginning because there, there was not a big push in the beginning to wear masks. And then part of that was also, um, we had such a poor national response to the pandemic with the lack of, of PPE, uh, personal protective equipment, that um, even if there, even if the science had supported it at the time, it wasn't something that people could even effectively do uh, because those materials were not available. And then we learned later about the, um, the, the, the efficacy or the effect or effectiveness of the handmade uh, mask. So that really, um, really helped uh, this, this policy um, quite, quite a lot. So to be completely fair, it's, it's not um, everyone's fault that there was confusion and, you know, they're having trouble understanding what, what to believe because the guidance did shift. But for months now, it has been very clear that masks are important and that masks reduce um, spread of, of COVID-19 virus. Uh, and what we have unfortunately had is a lack of national leadership to right. set That's that example um, and come on board with where science is. And, and you know, that's a, that's a big challenge. And I think there's a big part of the country that really, um, really follows leaders' words. And I'm not talking political parties. I mean, whoever, you know, people 
follow whatever news sources they use, they're going to believe what they see and hear. And oftentimes that's um, different than what the scientists are saying. And so there has been this big divide um, on top of the divide we were already experiencing as a nation. So it's complicated, but it would be really great if Okay, let's forget about the national level, at least at the local level, at the, the city and the, the state levels, we could have our leaders get on board with some national or I don't want to cut you off. I want to cut you yeah. off, but I, I do, I do want to say, say two things, and then I want, um, I want um, Rasana to be able to um, ask this question to Ms. Ariaga. Um, with the mass, okay, with the mass that we just talked yeah. about as far as policy and the way, because you, you touched on so many things, I'm writing stuff down. Um, at first, I wore a bandana. I was walking around like I was about to rob a bank. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, I bet I, I get locked same up thing. this fast. But in all seriousness, like, you know, we say where, like you said, you know, if it's gotten better now, and even it's become to the point where people are starting to, I guess, make revenue off of it or profit off of it, which is fine. I mean, that's capitalism at its best. But what type of mask will cause, or I should say, will stop mitigation and uh, the, I guess, the transmission of, you know, COVID-19, uh, direct transmission of COVID-19, or what, what can lessen it, I guess. That right. Yeah, well, um, again, science has shifted, right? We didn't know until um, this past week about the, the data on, on bandanas as masks. Um, so the recommendation is two layers of high quality, heavyweight cotton, um, like a thread count of about 180 or more. If you're into buying linens, that may be meaningful to you. <laughs> and, you know, tightly woven. Or you can have um, one outer layer of cotton and an inner layer of flannel that seems to do okay as well. Um, the bandanas, um, the single layer materials are not as effective, but wearing something is better than not wearing anything at all. So, you know, right. if right. people Look don't have a mask at all it's better to put something over the face and nothing right. over the face but if you are going to um really try to give yourself the best protection with the with the homemade mask and um, that that would be the recommendation or a, a high quality surgical mask like with the health professionals wear the n95 okay all right then go no, ahead no uh, not 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 the n95 well, not the, the n95 surgical mask, the, okay the blue mask that the this you'll see surgeons and other doctors wearing in the hospital routinely and um, the N95 is different. It's, it's a cup-shaped mask that we only use for certain kinds of procedures in the hospital. Those are not uh, recommended for widespread use. Oh, wow. Okay. Because yeah. right, I'm glad you said that because I knew a bunch of people was walking around with N95 <laughs> yeah. masks. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're highly effective. It's just that we can't really recommend them for widespread use because... One, it's hard for people to keep those on all day. Um, and the supplies are also very short. I mean, if you can tolerate it, sure, but it's right. not really necessary. Um, right. So the, the homemade uh, face coverings or the, um, the surgical mask at this point, um, I think you know people tend to have access to those okay. as well. All right, thank you, Doc. All right, so Ms. Ariaga, I know you've been waiting patiently. <laughs> um, no, no worries, no worries, no, I'm, it, I'm here. You are the parent coordinator of a school in Camden City. Um, what's going to happen? Like, how, what's, what's, what, how do the parents feel? What's the role? How are they feeling? Like, or how do you feel as a parent coordinator? And then we could go into what the parents are, are feeling and questions that they may have. So a lot of the parents have, um, you know, obviously mixed motion, mixed emotions. Um, 
you know, we, we were told, you know, March 10th that uh, the 13th would be our last day. Mm. We scrambled together, put, you know, packets and, and, and worksheets and we all, we distributed and then that's it until, um, I believe it was April when we were able and we were fortunate enough to um, have our students receive laptops and uh, tablets for our kindergartners. Um, so at this point now, um, about two weeks ago, the district had um, proposed a hybrid um, learning method for the beginning of the school year. Um, that has changed um, as of yesterday um, based on the governor's um, recommendations. Uh, the school district has decided to um, start fully remote um, beginning September 8th until January 3rd. We're talking Governor Murphy in New Jersey? Yes, but also okay. uh, the superintendent of Camden Schools, uh, Ms. Katrina McCombs, uh, okay. um, yesterday um, announced that um, we will be um, starting the school year uh, fully remote. And that time frame will be from September 8th until January 31st. And then at that time, um, you know, things will be revisited. Um, but again, um, the district has um, given surveys to parents and has collected the data and the information. Um, just having one-on-one um, -on -one conversations with my parents at, at my particular school, um, it's mixed. Um, some parents are saying, hey, you know, so the, the hybrid um, platform was going to be two days, two days, and then three days of remote. Um, some parents were all for it. You know, it's, it's only eight hours a week. They'll be, you know, they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And then you had other parents that were like, absolutely not. I am not sending my child. And that's mostly the, uh, the younger, um, like our pre-K children. Um, the parents are very extremely hesitant, which is to be expected. But, you know, all across the board to be expected. But right. um, one of the biggest um, concerns with our pre-K, and I would say maybe up until like first grade, mm -hmm. is them... Um, having the mask on all day at first it was they could have it on and then sometimes no but then um, it was mentioned that um, they have to have it on right. all day the, the, so, there's a, um, yeah there's a meme that I saw about kids wearing masks on each level mm -hmm. like elementary it'd be like <laughs> over the eyes middle school like yeah, it'd be a body with uh, high school mm -hmm. it'd be like wherever in college they have a beer can right. so People don't like <laughs> even kids don't want to wear, wear wear the mask uh, mm -hmm. um, to a certain degree. Go ahead, Doc. The uh, the other Doc, not the real Doc. Go ahead, Ross. Go ahead, Miss <laughs> Ariaga. I do I do want to ask you because um, I think you say you guys have the hybrid, so parents have the option to decide you know mm -hmm. what they want to do. Are you finding more parents leaning towards the online, or they listen? I, I deal with a lot of parents and a lot of parents could not mm -hmm. wait to get their kids back in school. And I, and I'm in the high school mm -hmm. setting mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. but you know, we didn't, we're not giving them that option. We're, we're out until December 1st. So do you, mm -hmm. are you finding more parents are willing to keep their, their children at home or more parents are trying to send them back to school those days? So, um, it was a mixture, but mm -hmm predominantly they you know the parents they just wanted to keep their children home but you, like again you did have some parents who were um you know saying hey it's only it's only eight hours a week um you know they'll be fine um but um like i had mentioned before um as of yesterday we are starting um full 
over mold. Um, and also um, our uh, charter and Renaissance counterparts, um, mm -hmm. I believe they are also starting full remote, not to the extent or the length as, uh, as January 31st, I believe, but um, mm -hmm. for the most part, the um, public Renaissance and charter schools in the city of Camden all will start remotely. I got a question real quick, and I want to introduce our next guest, uh, uh, the real doc and Miss Adiaga. Um, is it, now you're the parent coordinator, and I'm gonna keep it real, okay? So my daughter's 17, so she's different. But if I got, you know, a kindergartner, a middle schooler, and a high school, and I'm trying to balance it, like, are there some parents that are like, yo, take this person, please, because I just need a, <laughs> I need a Usopp moment. You like, know what? Do parents say that to you as well? But let's keep it real. Like it's you, like it's like I mean we love we all for those of us that have children, we all love our children, but it's like sometimes like <laughs> if you like if you don't go sit your behind down somewhere, like is it like talk to me, uh parent coordinator, talk to me. <laughs> so in my conversations with parents, um the the concern is that um, I haven't really, you know, interestingly enough, I haven't had a parent say, oh my gosh, I'm tired of taking kids. No, I haven't really had anyone say that to me. I, you know, it Thanks. is what it is, but I've had parents more so concerned with how can I help my child? Am okay. I doing the right things? Mm. How can I, um, you know, they're signing into Google Classroom. I'm not familiar with Google, you know, parents saying that they're not familiar with Google Classroom. So we at, um, we as a district and other family and operations coordinators, we try to support our parents um, in those in those areas. And um, it's been um, it's been very successful. Uh, we again, we stumbled all into this March 13th and we learned as we go, everything is trial and error. Oh. And uh, as we start the new school year uh, remotely, um, I, I feel in my heart that we are, are better equipped um, this go around. Okay, well that's that's good. Well, like I said, and I I patiently thank you. Uh, 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 this this is this is like my sister from another mister. I don't know what, what she looks like on y'all's screen. She's at the bottom of my screen. This is uh Miss Kim Hoyle. Uh, Kim, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself. <laughs> um, this is my homie from Michigan. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I say, you know, uh, sister from another mister. Talk to us, Miss Hoyle. How's everything? Introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Kim Hoyle. I am here in uh, the Detroit metro area. I, uh, I'm a mother of three, so I have um, kind of all over the place with my kids. So I have a six-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 16-year-old. And one of my kids is in private school. My 11-year-old is in private school. Um, so we, we, are, we had made the decision um, to... I, should I just go right into it, or? Well, I was gonna. I, you, you, you. you oh, like sorry. Yes, I was gonna prep you for it. But, you know what I'm let, me, let me do my job. So, Miss Hoyle and and Rod, you could jump in. But um, uh, we have uh, just like uh, the real doc, as I like to say. I'm gonna stop saying that, Doctor Carr. <laughs> it's your like, show. <laughs> you do what you uh, want. Doctor uh, Carr is our um, medical expert, if you would like to say. We wanted to have her on talk about it from a medical standpoint. We have Miss Ariaga on from a as a parent coordinator from the parent standpoint, but also from a dis school district standpoint. Not necessarily representing Camden School, uh, Camden City Schools, but just to talk about some of the things that they're doing. And for you in the Midwest or in Michigan, I should say to be exact, mm -hmm. they were one of the first states to say we're not first. We're not opening early. We're going to ride this uh, uh, quarantine out, 
and they received a lot of backlash where people were mm -hmm. actually going up on the uh, Capitol or, or up on, a, I guess, the state Capitol Hill. Yeah. Um, what has been your experience as far as dealing with this from, of course, a standpoint um, as far as with the schools, but also just a standpoint as far as, you know, what your, the, the, I guess, how your children may feel. Like you say, you got to, just like uh, Dr. Carr, you have a variety of a six-year-old, 11-year-old, and a teenager, I believe, a 60-year-old, yeah. as you said. So, you know, what, what's been the experience? Yeah, so it's, I, I will say uh, my kids have sort of adjusted uh, pretty well to being at home. Uh, even my 16-year-old, which is, I, I couldn't believe it, but, you know, it's, um, my kids are, we, we try to, you know, keep them informed and, and we don't shelter them from news and facts. So they, they understand, um, you know, what's going on. But one thing I will say is that um, here in Michigan, we have, you know, it's, it's very divided. You have a lot of people who, who believe that the coronavirus is a hoax, Mm. And we just mm -hmm. need to get we just need to get back to work. The kids mm. need to go back to school. I can't afford to not, you know, have kids in school. A lot of kids here in Michigan, especially uh, in the Detroit area, they get their meals from school, mm. right? So it, a lot of kids haven't been eating properly because mm -hmm. it's just not you know available to them at home. Uh, there's a lot of abuse happening. So school was, you know, had been a reprieve from, from that type of lifestyle. Um, I will say, so we live in Oakland County. And Oakland County is one of the um, most affluent counties, definitely in Michigan, but it breaks up in the, in the, in the U.S. as well. Wait, you and the reason, Oakland County? Yeah. So you got some money. No, so listen. <laughs> so the reason I say that, though, is because shockingly so I live in Troy which is in Oakland County our taxes are the lowest in Oakland County so we like at the bottom but we blessed um rich but, people always say that rich people always say they bless but what I will say you know a lot of a lot of parents had you know the the idea or the hope that we would go into a hybrid model with going returning to class and uh, we just had our final uh, recommendation and, and, and approval from the board yesterday that we are starting remote. And um, there, after five weeks, I don't know who picked that increment, but whatever. It's going to be five weeks. They're going to reevaluate and see where things are. Um, so we'll probably be remote just like the rest of the uh, school districts across the country that are saying, you know, it, it may be January 1 before you see the inside of classroom. Wow. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that our Oakland County Health Department um, did not participate in any meaningful way in these return to class um, uh, strategies. Mm -hmm. So it's like you, you've got administrators and teachers and board members coming up with this plan to go back to school and there's no health officials weighing in. So, you know, questions like, well, how many children um, is it going to take that, or children or, or uh, teachers or administrators or whatever in the school, is it going to take to come with positive results to say, okay, we're going to shut it down. And they couldn't answer that because they got no guidance from the health department, which I thought was really, really um, concerning, especially in a county like Oakland County. All right, Kim, hold that thought. Uh, Dr. Carl, when you hear stuff like that, as a health professional, that no one, you know, from a, from a health standpoint stepped in, how do you feel? What does that make you think? 
Um, that's very worrisome. Um, it was actually, uh, I think our, our Philadelphia school district has had health professionals involved along the way. Um, but the one piece that made me uncomfortable about um, green lighting our kids return to school is that we didn't, we also didn't have that final piece of information um, mm. that Ms. Hoyle was talking about. Our, uh, our health officials really haven't ramped up their contact tracing program um, at the time that the district was needing to make this decision and they didn't, all, they also didn't have answers what the thresholds would be for um, closing down a classroom, although they said that they were working with the health officials to come up with those policies. So I, you know, I wholeheartedly agree that this has been, um, in some cases, a kind of a piecemeal approach to a return to schools. Um, and yeah, health officials absolutely have to be in, involved mm -hmm. along the whole spectrum. Okay, all right then. So, um, Kim, if I may, your, your comment about reevaluating after five weeks actually takes me into my next question. One of the things we learned since March is that children are not immune to this virus like we, we initially thought. And um, I read a statistic, I think it was last week, that said the number of cases in children has doubled over the last month, even though kids only make up, you know, 10% of of I guess the COVID population, I'll call it. Um, and there's, so there's districts like in Georgia, I'm sure you guys heard about the district out there that um, the girl had, I think she tweeted or something about it. Everybody wasn't required to wear masks. And then I, I'm not sure if it was the same district or not, but there was a, a district in Cherokee County where more than 800 students and 42 staff members ended up Yes. getting infected because they were back in school people weren't wearing masks so and i and i know there's other districts who are um anxious to get the kids back in back in school which is again worrisome to me i want to ask you guys anybody can chime in you know what do you think the rush is knowing all the facts that we know what is the rush to get these kids i don't care whether they're starting now they're starting at the end of august or they're starting in five weeks back in the building what is the rush to get them back to school knowing the downside so I'll say, um, you know, we, we had our, like I said, we had our board, a final board meeting last night um, and they, they streamed it on Facebook live. And so, you know, you had a lot of parents who joined in and, and were able to comment. A lot of these parents don't are, they're single family homes um, or they are, are households where both mom and dad don't have the ability to work from home um, and, or they are households where there are smaller children and or the children are special needs so you got kids yeah. who are on iep 504 plans mm -hmm. um who really need that face-to-face -face and, and and kind of thrive and um and grow academically with that sort of one-on-one -on -one contact with their teachers um so there's a lot of parents with with that concern and they're like how yeah. am i going to afford you know you you've got parents now talking about you know we're going to create pods learning pods where we're going to hire you know a private teacher that could be you know upwards of one hundred twenty five thousand dollars for a year and even if you're splitting that between mm -hmm. a handful of families that's an expense that most people had not planned for and and most people right. most americans can't necessarily afford mm -hmm. um I will say for our situation, my six-year-old who's going into first grade, he's going to be remote. Uh, and my 16-year-old, she's going to be remote. They're both in the public school system here in Troy. My 11-year-old is in private school. 
He's also mm -hmm. ADHD. Also, if he had stayed in uh, public school, would have an IEP. But he's in a private school setting where his class, his class size is only six kids anyway. And it had been that. So mm -hmm. he's going to go back in seat because it's a smaller setting. Uh, we right. do have, you know, a, a more comfort and more trust with the school that they're able to accommodate the kids. But even that's a risk. And so we, you know, I, I think that a lot of people at this point, whatever their personal circumstance is, I think it's also layered on the fact that Americans just don't feel comfortable going into this and not having an end date. Like we have no idea where this mm -hmm. is going. And so I think a lot of people are acting emotionally. And I say that because I was looking at the chat yesterday and I'm like, wow, you know, these are people who are in, again, Oakland County. And you guys are supposed to be like, you know, the, the upper echelon and the this and the that. But that, none of that matters when you are feeling like your back is up against the wall. You don't necessarily have the additional means to, um, bring somebody in to help you educate your kid or even if you're working from home like my husband and I both can work from home but we have a first grader I don't mm -hmm. expect my first grade, so I'm going to be professional mom teacher mom lunchroom mom bathroom monitor mom and I'm going to be on a business development meeting all at the same time mm -hmm. and that's that's stressful and so I think a lot of people are um at first I was really annoyed and I was, I was angry at these parents, but then we have to stop and think about it. Like what is the emotional impact of just the thought of having to navigate through all of that on a Tuesday when, you know, just last school year at the beginning of the year, it was dropping the kids off, putting the kids on the bus and you going about your day and you got your own, a whole host of other worries. So I think people are just, you, you, you certainly have those ones who are, um, subscribing, especially here in Michigan, who are subscribing to this is a hoax. You guys are crazy. We're not wearing masks. You know, we're gonna kill the governor. You guys are nuts. <laughs> right. A lot of Trumpians, but you also, you know, there's a lot of emotion, and a lot of people are just like, these kids got to go to school because if they don't go to school, I can't work. If I can't work, right. they can't eat. That, 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 and so it's a trickle down. You, uh, I wanted this, and great point, uh, uh, Miss Hoyle. I want to ask um, Ms. Ariaga a question, um, Rob, before I let you go, because uh, Kim made a good point. I don't know why I said Ms. Hoyle, like I don't know her. Um, <laughs> uh, Kim made a good Mess point. Mess me up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kim made a good point, and Ms. Ariaga, I saw you nodding your head. She made, actually, she made three points. She mentioned um, nutrition for children. She mentioned um, special needs. And she mentioned also abuse. And Miss Ariaga, I propose a question to you, and then Doc, I'll, I'll let you piggyback off off of it. Um, have you seen any signs of the? Maybe not. I don't know about the abuse part. Maybe you may not see that mm -hmm. because the kids aren't in school. But have you seen this? Uh, have you heard about situations where parents are talking to you about well, how can you know get certain resources for food? And you know, uh, um, my son has a, uh, my child has an IEP. Uh, you know, in the 504 and three things of that nature. Um, one thing I want to make a point, I was watching something before we came on. Um, C NBC did a special on coronavirus in, in schools with Less the Hope. And they said that the, the children that are in this pandemic, they will be, um, I, I forget how he put it, but they may lose 10% of their so social skills. 
meaning that they're not interacting. And then I was thinking like, well, you know, when I was teaching all the kids in my class, they wouldn't want to cut up anyway. So, you know, I'm like, shit, keep y'all asses at home. You know what I'm but in, in all seriousness though, and I'm laughing, I'm jokingly, but it, it, you know, there is a, there is a dynamic as, as Kim mentioned, as far as for the special needs students that if they're not getting the proper resources and assistance that they may even, I guess, regress instead of progress. Can you speak to that, uh, uh, Rebecca? So I'm going to break it down in, I guess, two, three parts. Yeah. So break it down so it'll be broken. <laughs> so in terms of um, the Camden City School District, um, in regards to food and nutrition, um, our uh, food and nutrition department has um, meal sites, and they have been very successful with providing families um, with meals for the entire week, and that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And those sites have been utilized uh, very much so. Um, and also um, a big help that has been to families is the, uh, the emergency EBT card that each family receives for each student, which um, I believe each student received about, don't quote me on this, about $400, um, $400 in food. So that was another help for families. And mm -hmm. then um, just um, the community as a collective um, with different um, food sites and just churches helping out and not even so much like food, but just like basic necessities. So in terms of that, um, I believe that our, our school district has done an, ext an extremely excellent job. Um, in terms of like, I guess, uh, like our special needs um, children, um, I can just speak for um, my school at this point. Um, they, have, they are very hands-on with our special needs children. And um, they uh, are educators in our school with um, the special needs um, population. Um, they just have been very, they've been doing an excellent job with our students. Yes, there are some challenges um, for the first part or what whatnot, but they've done, they've done an excellent job. Okay. Um, and also, um, and one last thing, I'm sorry. So in terms of, so we in the, um, our school district, we have a program called school-based youth services mm, that yes. um, also, su also support students. And um, each school-based youth service team has a mental health clinician on on their staff so um again like the example with my particular school um so what that um group has been doing for our students is just like having um like uh google classrooms if any students need to talk about things in a safe space they've been doing so that's good okay well that, that's that's a great point um dr carr when you hear that when you hear the point that miss hoyle made as far as nutrition and possible abuse and also with special needs as a health professor, but also, you know, as somebody that works at the University of Pennsylvania, what are your thoughts? Um, these are all critical issues. And I think a lot of what led the uh, pediatric uh, society, the AAP, to come out strongly in favor of school reopening uh, several months ago um, because of these very real concerns. I know that the numbers of calls to hotlines and um, uh, for abuse have have been down, and there's a really big concern that uh, the kids are not who are in these situations are not being identified. Um, so these are very real concerns. I think that um, from a, a healthcare uh, standpoint, I have to, um, in some ways, um, separate these these issues pretty concretely in my mind because. Um, the alternative or the solution, um, in my view, cannot be to then send them into an unsafe um, physical environment where they're at risk of, of, of 
getting getting COVID-19 and having all the sequela from that. I think um, as Ms. Uh, Ariaga talked about, I think the solution in that case is really increasing uh, the other supports within a community um, for the food banking. I know the Philadelphia School District has done a lot with that and the churches and, and those uh, other resources. But I think schools can also take um, a, a little bit of a nuanced approach to um, maybe just bringing in the children uh, who need that one-on-one -on -one time, so um, the kids with special needs. Um, why not give them access to a whole wide open school building where they're not at risk of, of you know, being in a crowded setting and they can still get what they need. So I, I don't think um, districts have really done that piece very well. I think we can still accommodate kids who have those needs without having all of the children in that same environment. Mm -hmm. when, this, when the community spread is so great, we really can't safely bring kids into the building until those numbers come down. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated, but yeah, those are, those are very um, important issues, um, very concerning. Our schools have become bigger social, uh, I guess, structures than I think we, they were ever intended to be. And mm -hmm. other countries don't really work like this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, schools aren't everything for all families, but in, mm -hmm. in the U.S., because we have so few safeguards in our country, the school has had to fill an inordinate amount of needs, um, not only for students, but also for their families. And so now this is, this is where, we, where we find ourselves. Um, but I do think there are other solutions besides bringing kids into, and especially buildings, uh, some of which in our district where windows don't function or they have yeah, lead and asbestos. They're, they're or, old, and, here's, and I, don't <laughs> cut you off. I don't mean to cut you off, but I think, no, it's fine. I know it definitely in Camden, uh, for the years I worked in Camden, um, and I'm not sure um, where uh, where the reach people live, but they got old buildings. You know what I'm saying? They probably got the Microsoft building. But <laughs> in all seriousness, though, a lot of the buildings are old, so the ventilation is poor, and you know the mitigation and the transmission of uh, uh, transmitting, I guess, of the virus can can be an issue as well. Even if you do have a mask. So I mean, you guys make good points. Um, this is the Doctor Does podcast. Don't try this at home. Good brother, tell them where they can find us. Tell them where they can find us. Tell them where they can find us. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Drop us a DM and let us know what you think. We would appreciate the feedback. Subscribe now. So I see, uh, I see, and here's the thing. This is what happens on a Zoom call when you at home. I saw your child ran up on you, uh, Kim. You know what I'm saying? This is why parents yeah. want their kids to be back in school. <laughs> Boy, if you don't get out my face, I'm trying to work. And all he want, he just want a snack. Oh, like, <laughs> the, the kitchen is closed. The Listen, kitchen I, is closed. I, I told, no. I, I think I, I shared I with relate. them, um, and you, some of y'all may know, you may not know, Dr. Carr, you may, I worked at, uh, I worked in the school district for almost 18 years, and I left, and I started doing this, and I started doing that, but this last semester, I worked at Rowan, and I was so happy not to have to deal with this whole virtual learning thing because of the nuances and the things that you guys had to go through. And I say you guys being the parent and the parent, excuse me, the teachers and the parents and the coordinators, uh, administrations in certain schools, because it just seemed like it was like, like you said, there was no direction initially. Like everybody thought, okay, we have a little two week vacation. April came around, okay, we got a bump, mm -hmm. I'm chilling. 
But when Mayor Jew came, it was like, and, and then, you know, you What's really like, going on? Right, what's, exactly. What's really going on? And now it's like you got to go through this whole thing again. And I think I made a joke at the beginning um, before some of you may have come on. But, you know, this is a time of year where you start looking forward to back to school. Like, you know, your fresh kicks and your school clothes and your, your book bags and fresh haircuts and girls getting barrettes and braids and, like, those things can't happen virtually, you know, or no. I was just saying, not saying that they can't, but it won't mean different. the same. Uh, right. It's definitely uh, uh, different. But uh, Doc Turpin, come on, man. Let's, let's drive this Cadillac. Let's take this on. What are we talking about? Well, before we, before we move forward, I want to jump back to two points that you guys made. Um, one was about the, the students, certain kids losing, um, social, losing out on social skills. And I think it was more so geared towards students with special needs or whatever i have a um a four-year-old right now and he he his school closed down in march back in march he goes to early learning center and um by the time it got to the end of may beginning of june it was like we got to do something with this kid (laughs) and 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 i felt bad And, and my frustration as a parent i also felt bad because i know what the cry was for so he he has a he has a two year old dog it was supposed to be my dog but i also said he needs to grow up with a dog and it it got to the point where he was putting all that energy that he would burn up in school all day and he it was coming out towards the dog so it was like he's wrestling with the dog he's beating the dog up and i'm like this kid cannot blow off this steam the way he's used to. And the best news that we got was, in which we had to make a decision, what his school said, you know, they sent us a survey. If we put proper precautions in place, would you send your kid to school, you know, full-time or part-time? And we made the decision based on looking at the facts of what they planned on doing based on CDC guidelines, and we decided to send them to school um, three days a week. And that was the best decision because, you know, he, it was an adjustment, one, because he had to get back to used to getting up early in the morning. But to see the, the difference and in, in how it makes a difference with them having the ability to mm-hmm. deal with other kids their age versus being in the house with their parents and a dog all day, is, mm-hmm. is, it makes all the world. So I feel bad for parents, you know, one, who don't have that option, but who also are forced to keep their their child at home because they are going to miss out. I don't care if they have an IEP, a 504 plan. If they're at that young, tender age when they need to start developing social skills and how to interact and play, and they're this, I, I said this uh, several times, I would hate to be a child right now. Mm-hmm. Knowing what I know about childhood and also seeing it as a parent, you're, they're going to miss out on so much and so much is going to have to be made up for on the back end once or when if we come out of you know come out of this so i wanted to make that point the other thing was um talking about you know the students who do have special needs and um like trying to get certain aspects of those students back in the school one thing i will give my school um their props on is that um as this as the new plan rolled out into place, they did say that they're working on a plan to get students, you know, who have um, lower functioning and, and physical needs in the school because that population, one, is the smallest, but it also has the highest need. So I think um, giving parents, I don't care what district you're in, giving those parents who have those type of students that option, I think that will mean the world to them and make their lives um, a lot easier. So I did want to just um, talk about those points before, you know, before we moved on. So, um, yeah, so moving on, there's a lot of dynamics to this whole thing. Um, you know, sometimes the parents are blaming the schools, the schools are telling the parents to be patient. And I think this is, this is a process of us all trying to figure this out and not beat each other down 
too much. Um, but one of the questions I'm asking as a middleman, and I call myself a middleman because I work in education, but I'm also a parent, and I also understand the medical importance of all this. What is the best decisions for schools to make right now? What is the best decision for parents to to make right now? Because we, well, one thing we do know is the person at the top of all this, he don't care about none of us. And I would just leave it out there. I'm gonna leave that right there. But I, I do want to know what you guys think. You know, oh, what is the on. best decision? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no, it's not Kamala. Uh, Kamala. Oh, Biden. Kamala. Kamala. Well, listen, she's going to be the president anyway because Joe owns dirt, but we ain't looking at that right now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Cool. Uh, brother. Go ahead. So, I mean, anybody, uh, yeah. it's not directed towards anyone. What do you think? What do you guys think about that? I think, I think it, um, I think the one true thing that um, I've, you know, that even you hear in the national um, discourse is that it, it really does depend on geography. Um, and we can see that even looking at countries around the world, right? The countries where they tried to open in the middle of high surges, that didn't work. Um, the countries where they, they waited and they had low numbers, they've reopened. Um, they seem to be doing okay in terms of school reopening. So I think it depends a lot on geography, um, your local geography, what the numbers are like. In Philly, we have about, I think, a 3% um, case um, rate right now, um, positivity rate. I think New York is 1% or, or lower. So they're, they're going to try. And I think it's okay for them to try as long as their school have what they need to accommodate all of the safety protocols. Um, for so I, I think it's really depend on, on geography. But once schools open, they can't have kids in the building and not wear masks and not hand wash right, and not right. have windows opening or not be socially distant. I mean, those are the core things that all do regardless of what your local geography what the numbers are like. Doc, Doc, do you think, and I'll open it, and it's not necessarily a question, more of a statement, but you could, you could expand upon this. Do you think it's a red state versus blue state type of thing? I mean, because if you look at all, even even in, you know, um, college football came out and made an announcement as far as they're not going to play the Big Ten and the Pac-12, but those are primarily schools that are um, focused in uh, blue state areas, Michigan, of course, Michigan and Ohio, uh, Iowa and Illinois and Pac-10, California being the largest, you know, state uh, uh, in that conference, uh, um, particular conference. But do you think it's a red uh, red state versus blue state thing type thing and all the red states are following his lead, even though they know it's wrong? Like, Florida is like, it's, it's like walking dead right now. Like, people, like, if you breathe, you're going to catch corona in Florida. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, it, 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 it may turn out to be that way. I know that they, um, after looking at the Spanish flu, it, it, it was like that. It tended okay. to go along political lines and, you know, how the rates were, were down um, compared to um, basically line, uh, going along political lines. So we'll probably see a similar thing. I would say um, California is not that story, right? It's a solidly blue state, but their numbers have really gone up. Um, probably unexpectedly for them. So I'm sure they're trying to figure out what, what that's related to. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see. I've not, I've not personally seen those data, you know, parceled out in that way. Um, yeah. it, it's a, it's a fine, may very well be. And I think too, there's, you know, we, so we just posted um, just over a thousand cases today, which is our highest daily rate since April. In Michigan? Um, yeah, in Michigan, in Michigan. Yeah. So we're, so we're, you know, trending up. Um, I think 
you know, there's also the issue of, um, you know, equitable resources, right? So, so we have, you look at Southeastern Michigan, um, you look at the city of Flint, you look at Highland Park, which is just outside of Detroit, and, and then also even Detroit, um, access to clean water, right? So when these kids are, when you talk about, you know, being able to wash your hands and being able to, um, to implement the necessary safety measures, these kids don't even have clean water to do that. And this is still in Flint? Yeah, yeah, they're still, so, they're still let, yeah. Okay, so there's still issues in Flint along even with the whole pandemic, you still have mm -hmm. issues as far as water mm -hmm. um, yeah. that, you know, these people are dealing with. Just like, you know, in Philadelphia, dealing with poverty. In Canada, we're dealing mm -hmm. with parts of poverty. Like this thing is not, like I keep hearing people say, is we talk about the whole racial disparities and things of that nature. Like this thing mm -hmm. has not only, you know, uh, uh, opened up Pandora's box as far as from a medical standpoint, it's also mm -hmm. showed the, you know, the differences, of course, in racial equalities and how we uh, as black and brown people tend to, you know, get destroyed in this thing. And I'm not going to get political. I don't want to get on my soapbox. <laughs> but I do, I do, I do think that it is, it's important to for us to acknowledge those types of things i want to i want to ask a question miss ariaga but i do want to i want to read a few things if you don't mind uh doc you don't mind if i read something do you of course i mind no, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, do. so um here we go since uh july 30th they have been on almost uh, it says ninety-seven thousand plus almost a hundred thousand cases of corona uh, virus amongst young people between the ages of five to 16 years old also um, ages K through five, um, there have been, uh, as far as school age, ages of K through five, there has been an influx on, um, in various parts of the, of the, of the South. Excuse me, I apologize. Um, the CDC director, um, and I apologize, I should have been on my job, I forget his name, but he, he has said that he wants the schools to use the guidelines as guidance, but he does feel as though that schools should be open, open. Um, and it's the point that I want to get to for all of you guys, but I want to go to the parent coordinator first. Um, he mentioned vaccinations. Now, um, and, and I wrote down in my notes, are they the answer? Miss Ariaga, as a parent coordinator, do you feel as though your parents would be open to um, having their children take a vaccination or that, you know, coronavirus vaccine? Because I'm under, the, like for me, Actually, you know, I'll let you go, and then I'll come back to my point, because I actually <laughs> So I have had um, conversations with parents, and some of them do feel as though that until a vaccination um, is offered, they do not feel comfortable um, sending their child, mm. you know, back to school, which I could understand, you know, the, you know, the worry in that. Um, I haven't had too many conversations in terms of vaccinations, just like here and there, but um, yeah, for the most part, Part, um, all of the conversations that, I, that I've had, um, parents are saying that until a vaccination is offered, um, they do not feel comfortable um, sending their children back to school. Okay. Um, Dr. Carr, what do you think about vaccinations? You're the medical expert. I'm, I'm very much in support of vaccinations. Um, before we even get to talking about the future coronavirus um, vaccination, we need to talk about the flu vaccination. Okay. And we should, you know, really should try to get it to a hundred percent vaccination status because the last thing we want to flu on top of 
of COVID-19 um, impacting our, our kids, our, our now, teachers, our students, our, uh, our now staff. Now, Doc, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm, I'm a little old school, and, and mine, <laughs> this is my dunce moment, okay? So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm of the, and I should say dunce moment, but I'm of the belief, you know, I have, I've never taken a flu shot. I've always, you know, my Nana used to make lemon water in, in <laughs> lemon water and <laughs> castor oil and all castor that. Castor oil every I, spring, yeah. Those, uh -huh. those, those were <laughs> that you know I took as a kid, and they, I mean, God, I'm thankful. Uh, you know, I didn't make my child do it, but you know, you have people. You know, you have the conspiracy people and the Imhotep people and the black nationalists. Like, well, now nah, I'm not taking the vaccination because of the Skiggy experiment, and you see what happened. You know. But in all honesty, like, should we really, I know you're in support of it, but for those people that say, well, look what happened to Tuskegee, or, you know, my child may develop this, or my child may develop that, like, what do you say to them? Well, the first is just to acknowledge they're not lying. I mean, that, okay. <laughs> that happened, right? Okay. Um, those are the facts. I mean, that, that happened to our people, and, and that's not the only example of that, right? Um, so, you know, when, when people um, talk to me about those real concerns, I, I say, yeah, you know, that, that did happen. I mean, science has come a long way since then, oh. but we have to make sure that the safeguards that are in place are, are actually being fully utilized all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think those concerns are very real. Um, people, people have um, a right, a right to feel that way. At the same time, I do encourage people, um, especially when it comes to to vaccines, that the data are so overwhelmingly positive, okay. and these, you know, especially with the flu vaccine, it's been around, you know, for so long, and lots of people have gotten, you know, black people, white people, <laughs> Asian, you know, all, all kinds of people have have um, have uh, so been exposed to this. If I take, this, if I take the flu safe. If I take the flu, flu vaccine, I won't come out looking like the elephant man, right? I'll be <laughs> you will not. You will not okay. come out looking All like right. the elephant man. I want to let Kim go because we have <laughs> another guest and I want to give Kim a chance, an opportunity to ask a question. And I want um, uh, Dr. Turpin to uh, get another chance to make his point. Go ahead, Kim. Uh, vaccination, how do you feel about it? Yeah, so my kids are vaccinated. Um, I My my only concern, you know, with, with this uh, corona vaccine is is all of sort of the mounted, you know, pressure and evidence and emotional uh, stress just over how this administration has, has taken care of things. Mm. Uh, so I don't trust them. Uh, I don't trust that, you know, I, I, I don't trust their um, trials and, and things of that nature. But uh, on a whole, you know, my kids are up to date. I'm not one of those moms that are not, you know, I, I we get vaccinated and you know if there's a corona vaccine that is um you know heavily supported by the the, the health organizations that where it needs to be then i'm fine with that now the one that russia just said that they have uh come up with we're not taking that Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> we be all jacked up. We're not doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does that mean every country is going to be coming out with their own vaccine? Like there, there are lots of vaccine trials going on across the world. Um, it's it's like you know the space race. So yeah, yeah we're we're probably going to see um several several candidates. Our leading candidate. And it was developed by a black scientist, okay. um, you know, and okay. and her trial, um, which is in phase three, which is like the final stage now, actually does include um, black 
people. So okay. I think for um, for our community, those are. What's really her name, important. Doc? <laughs> What's her name? What's her name? Um, her uh, uh, first name is um, is Kizzy, and I'm just spacing on her her, her black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let like me Bruce? just. I know, right? Um, let me just um, quickly I get it for you. Yeah. Oh, she's um, she's been researching coronaviruses um, for a very long time, okay. and Corbett, Corbett. Um, so Corbett. yeah, Kismikia Corbett, and she goes by Kizzy. Okay. Um, so yeah, she's a PhD scientist, and um, her technology is 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 what's being used um, in the Moderna trials right now. So right. I'm I'm really watching that. Um, she's she had. Um, Georgia was one of the sites, so we know that there's plenty of diversity there. So those are important things to look at um, when these trials come out to make sure that they're representative of the American population of people. And, um, but they're going to be tried in, you know, a number, I think they had, I want to say 40,000 is the number I'm remembering how many people were in, are in this trial. Or the trials, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's going to be a lot of a lot of folks. Well, I think, I think, and you guys all alluded to it, and Miss Ariaga made a good point that, you know, they, a lot of parents don't want to send their children back until there's an actual vaccination. As you said, making sure that it's, it's a positive one. And as Kim said, making sure that, that it's, it can be trustworthy. So I think you guys all hit on how parents are feeling. Um, I got my homie in the building. It took her forever to get on. She's slowing us up. We're going to be on here for like to like 12 o'clock. Mess with hustle <laughs> behind. But I'm this sorry. is Miss Dawn uh, uh, Westcott-Williams. Um, you know, she has a, a kinship to us. We all went to school together um, back in the day. But Miss Williams, you got a story to tell about COVID-19 and school and family and all like that. So we're just going to let you jump right into it. Go ahead. Do your thing. Okay, back in, we have a pretty active lifestyle. We're for cardiologists. Say hello to the people. Hi, everybody. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got in from cheer. My kids are back cheering. So okay. it, it, I was just, and then this stupid computer, this MacBook had to update, so it's crazy. Um, we have a pretty active lifestyle. Like I said, I work for a cardiologist. We see a lot of patients a day. The kids were in school at the time, and like I said, we do cheer. They do a all-star cheer, so the kids are oh, you know, they're on top. You know, they were on top of each other at one point. This is back in March. My little one. I have five daughters. My six-year-old. She got sick. Mm-hmm. Took her to the Medi-Merge. They tested her for strep throat, for flu. Everything came back negative. And then my eight-year-old. This, you know, this. I remember watching like the news uh, when they were testing. When you know when they this COVID had just started going out. They didn't, they didn't have the tests at the Medi-Merge or whatever. So a couple weeks went by, my eight-year-old got sick. I got sick as well. We both got sick. So this is when, you know, we were still at work and they were telling us, I work for uh, Hackensack Meridian. They were telling us, you can't wear masks. You're going to scare in, the in New Jersey, correct? You work in New, New Jersey, Jersey. yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure you prep. Yes, prep I'm yourself. sorry, okay. in Jersey. Yeah, and they're telling us we couldn't wear masks, we were going to scare our patients, we couldn't take any precautions, you know. I was, you know, taking people's temperatures without gloves and everything at the moment. So she got sick. I took, um, I, I went next door to like a primary care and got swabbed. I had to take her to the DMV because of her age. They, weren't, they wouldn't swab her. Um, you had to take her where? To the where? To the, you know, the DMV. They were doing them like the drive-thru at the DMV. 
Oh, okay, okay. I'm yeah, so I mean, it was like you okay. know, like the movie, you know, the movie ET, where they have like those tents and everything. Right. It was very like sci-fi. Like it was crazy. I never wow. experienced anything like it. Like they came out to the car to swab me, like the nurse practitioner. But we took her, and ten days went by, and then I finally got the call. I got two calls, and they said she had tested positive. So. Wow. Like I said, I can't backtrack. I don't know where she got it from. It could have been me, you know, around all these patients. You know, at this time, we lost we lost a lot of patients, a lot of elderly patients. But oh. I don't know where she got it from. I don't know whether it was from, you know, cheerleading, being outside, or a regular public school. So, so she just... Go ahead. Go ahead. I apologize. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, she was... It wasn't like everybody's story is different you know right. she just had like it was like she had the flu she's had the flu before we take our flu shots but it was like a bad flu she was very fatigued like you know it was like maybe 15 to 20 days she was like down for the couch just on the couch wow. fever you know so so my, my question is and i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna let uh uh that boy rago uh you what were the symptoms well first of all this was your youngest child or the eight-year-old my second young, yeah, the eight-year-old. Eight-year-old. Okay, so what were the you you kind of talked about the symptoms, but you know, as a parent, what were you thinking? Like that—that's my main. Like as a parent, how did you feel? I what? didn't know what. I mean, we would come home from work every day, and we all, everybody thought, you know, I'm sure like every everybody here thought we all had it, you know. And I was like, you know, what's going to happen to her? Let me just monitor her. Thankfully, I had like you know my boss. We were in touch every, I took like 10, I took the 10 days off of work. That's all they gave us. Okay. And I stayed with her. I watched her. Her breathing was fine. It was, she had a sore throat. She couldn't right. taste. She had a right. fever. She had a fever for two days only. Okay. So it was, you know, it was scary. It was very scary, but it was almost like, like I said, she had the flu and she was just very fatigued. She didn't want to do anything. She didn't eat. You know, she, I gave her like, you know, Gatorade, kept her hydrated, but that was about right. it. Now, Dr. Carr, and, and I'm not going to ask this question. I don't, um, um, initially, the reports when this first all jumped off as, as far as COVID-19, coronavirus, the thought was children could not get it. It was just people over a certain age. And of course, we've come to find out now the dynamic has changed, the population has changed, the ethnicity has changed as far as people dying and getting contacted with the, the, the virus. So, like, what are we to believe? Yeah, I don't think it was ever that they could not could not get it, um, but it was um, that their risk was ex exceedingly low. So it was possible, but it was super, super rare in the beginning. Uh -huh. And I think um, part of what um, misled us is that kids were home for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in a way they were kind of doing what, we, what we're telling people to do now, right? To social distance. Um, mm -hmm. So the numbers are higher than we than we thought initially, although still not anywhere near the you know the oldest kids or or the adults or certainly the elderly. Um, but um, but but they're they're there. They're higher than what we initially thought. I don't want to be rude, and, and I don't want to cut you off, but I want to um, go back to you, Dawn. You um, made you said that this was before. I guess we all knew what was going on. You were in North Jersey. You know, you were going through your regular routine. You know, mm -hmm. you cheerleading and probably getting all types of snacks for the kids and right. by, you know, pom-poms and go team and all that type of stuff. Once you found out that, was that, was it Gia that had it? Uh, Gabriella. Gabriella. Once you find out Gabriella had it, did you tell your, I guess, other parents, hey, listen, 
my child may have COVID. Like, I don't want to scare you, but you know, I mean, what what was that conversation? I right? even, because I mean, we let's, actually let's, go, ahead, go ahead, yeah. We didn't even tell her. Like, I okay. didn't. I really didn't know how to tell her. Like, okay. And okay. then at one point, she said, "Mom, I think I, I think I have it, right?" And right. I'm yeah, like, "Kids, yeah. no." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm like, "Oh my God, she got. Right. I got the Rona." You know what's right. going to happen? Yeah. You know, you know the right. kids. Right. You know. Right. Right. But yeah, we told we told everybody. We okay. you know you got you have to. Uh, like I said at that it was you know, I think she tested positive. I want to say it was like March 21st. This was all oh, new. Wow. It was okay. so scary. So right. scary, you know. Right, right, right. We had just started quarantine, I guess, on right. the East Coast in, in New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, even parts right. of Delaware, or should say Delaware as well. So like you said, it was definitely still fresh. Miss Ariaga, I don't want to leave you out of this. As a parent coordinator. If, you're, if a parent comes to you and says, my child has coronavirus or they had coronavirus, what do you say to them? I have not, I, I'm going to be very transparent. I have not had a parent tell me that their okay. child has tested their corona. Okay, okay. Right, I have not so, had, go ahead, Rob. Go I'm ahead, sorry, Rob. go ahead. No, you go, you go. Oh, so I wanted to, I wanted to ask you a question because um, if, this, if your district or your school opens, schools open back up and you know, a parent informs the school that their child did develop symptoms or whatever, they tested and they came back positive. How is the school planning, or, or have you guys even thought that far ahead yet to plan to deal with a situation like that? So there are committees that are putting together those types of plans, um, just in, you know, if a child tests positive or even if a parent tests positive, there are committees in place that are um, handling that. Okay. All right. Dawn, I want to jump back to you for a second because we two things that we talked about before you came on, I wanted to get your, your insight on because you've gone down this road already. Mm -hmm. um, one thing we talked about was a vaccine and uh, Dr. Carr did mention that it would be okay to get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. If a vaccine comes out in the near future, one, would you, and your, would you be open to you, you and your family getting that vaccine? And two, um, Having gone through this already, what do you believe is the best decision for either you or for parents in general to make in terms of what they should do with their kids if they have the option to send them to school or leave them home? Well, I told you I have, well, my oldest, she's out of school, but I have mm -hmm. two kids, middle school age and then two elementary school age. I chose for the two middle school age to do remote because I feel like they can handle it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, my two little ones, I, wa I was at this point right now, Edison, I live in Edison and right now they're going to go to school two half days and I'm going to, okay. I was, you know, I chose to send them just because, mm -hmm. you know, like my six year old, like she's just learning to read. I work full time. My husband's a truck driver. He's never home. Right. So I feel like it's not fair. You know, and I, I am precautious. I, I felt like we have such a low percentage of people that are going to actually send back their kids, like 29%. So I feel like they can social distance. Mm. I, you know, on the same note, I'm also, you know, like I have a feeling it's going to be shut down at one point because I'm like, yeah. you know, like myself, I feel like even, even like, you know, like tomorrow, like somebody that we saw yesterday or today can test positive. So what do I do? I call both of the schools and then everybody's on quarantine. Like, I don't know how that's going to work. Like, well, the whole school, you know, is everybody in a quarantine, you know, and mm. are they going to all shut down? So I feel like it's going to be short-lived if the kids do go back to school. Mm -hmm. okay. um, no, um, I, don't, I, I don't feel like I would um, 
going to do the vaccination. I don't like I, my children oh, wow. are vaccinated. I, I, I just feel like I, I can't trust it right now. I'm scared. I wow. know, granted, I'm sure the most educated people in the world are working on these vaccines. Right. But mm. I'm like, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm just, you know, like, I don't know, I'm just scared that, you know, of mm. the side effects or, you know, the long term effects of it. You know, and that's the point that Kim made as well. She was saying she didn't trust it. Um, I right. think even initially, I was kind of joking with Tuskegee, but I think there, I think, I, I think that, and, 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 and Dr. Carr, you know, you're the professional. If I'm wrong, I think you mentioned, you know, some some points that you said that uh, uh, Kizzy was developing a, uh, um, a vaccination. Um, but I think that, you know, in the back of our minds, it's like, you know, from what I've heard about COVID, and, and the virus itself, we don't know because people have uh, people have gotten it and gotten over it, and but they they talk about the long term effects. Mm -hmm. So will the vaccination wipe out the long term effects? Will it just stop it for that point in moment? I know, like I said, you don't have all the answers now, but I think for me, like I say, I, listen, I'll listen to my man all day. Lemon juice and turpentine and castor oil. I'm good. Put some onions in my fish. <laughs> I'm good. But I think I think that's how a lot of people are thinking. I mean, and, and Kim knows me. You know, Kim is like one of my sister from another mister. But we work out together on the Zoom, and it's something that's you know we always talk about. Like, yo, you have to be in shape. A lot of people that are getting this disease and of course, unfortunately, dying that are black and Latino are either obese, that you know, diabetic, uh, high blood, poor poor dietary habits. People that live in the hood go to Chinese stores, Dominican stores, people that eat plantanos and rice and beans and all that type of stuff. And I don't want to make a broad statement, but it's like it's affecting us more because of our habits. But with a vaccination, just like, I guess, put all that to rest. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, those are those are great questions. Um, you know, so thank you. It, we are. No, they're really <laughs> great questions. And um you know, there, there are always considerations for any kind of clinical trial. There's a short-term things we try to prevent and lower the risk of whatever it is we're, we're looking at. Um, but then we have to follow patients for a long time to know what the, if any, um, long-term benefits. So we are not going to be able to answer that, that question if that's, if that's your concern. Um, we won't be able to answer it in a short-term short study, right? These folks who have gotten vaccinated will then be probably put into another observational cohort where they're followed over time. Mm -hmm. um, we will just have to rely on um, our experience in, with vaccinations generally, um, in the history of, of vaccines generally. And I would say generally speaking, vaccines um, are safe and uh, we haven't seen any um, long-term um, effects in the majority of people who get them doesn't mean the risk is zero and um, there's no vaccine trial where there will you see zero risk um, but the risk is certainly um, generally speaking low enough that that we've deemed them safe um, but yeah i think part of what um, scientists are going to have to do first i mean if this vaccine even works we don't have that answer yet um, if it seems to work um, we'll have to really get out front of the politicians and try to yeah. answer these very important questions for folks. Um, I think they, you know, probably will require healthcare workers to get them. I would, I would imagine that all institutions of healthcare will require its employees to have this vaccine. Like we are required to have the flu vaccine um, at a lot of health facilities. Mm -hmm. um, so I am, um, you know, 
probably going to be on, you know, one of the first groups of people, right, to receive it. And so we'll get more data um, on a number of, of folks um, outside of the clinical trials um, very soon. Yeah. All right, well, Doc, when you get the vaccine, make sure you call me. So when you get it, you find I'll go right I'll be like, you. I live, I live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, 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 Dr. Turpin, uh, that boy, Rod, you, uh, you, you want to touch on your next point? I do. I, and this okay. this is more so, um, dang, for lack of a better term, I'm going to play devil at, at devil's advocate right now. And I never use that term, but I can't think of another way to play it. And this question is more so an educator question. So Kim and Rebecca, the question is more so um, for you. Um, a lot of people um, are advocates for students staying home right now, which means we're going to be in a virtual or digital world of learning right now. But I want to look at the flip side because of a story that I that was brought to my attention earlier today. Um, it was a, a fifth grade teacher on a Zoom call with some 10th grade students and one of the students had a domestic situation in his household and the teacher heard it she muted all the kids but the kid's mother was shot on that zoom call in in the class while class was going on so while the kids did not hear it they saw the commotion and a fragment hit his computer and thank god blacked out the screen so they couldn't see everything that was going on but it, it leads me to it, it made me think of this from a whole nother perspective wow. what are schools to do when there are domestic situations when there are parents who can't be home with their kids so the oldest student in that household has to take care of the younger student. And then there are still some cases where there are technology issues where parents don't have technology in their home. As educators, how do you respond to that? So, so I, well, I'll, I'll say this first, I'm not an educator. So I, mm. I, I commend them. I'm a, I'm mm. a mother mm. <laughs> and I, I work in, in corporate America. Okay. Um, but, but what I, what I see, um, is the the gap between um, students is getting is going to get wider in this mm -hmm. space, unfortunately, and I think that you you know we we're seeing now where a lot of teachers are retiring early. Uh, yes. Um, yes. A lot yes. of teachers are just refusing and, and yes. saying I'm not going back into yes. the classroom. Um, there's all, there's always been, I believe, a shortage of substitute teachers. So you, it's hard to fill those gaps. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're going to have situations where you have, uh, teachers who are in, um, situations where they're not necessarily experienced and they're maybe teaching classes where they're not experienced, but because you don't have anyone to stand in the gap, you, you got to do what you got to do because the show must go on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that school districts have, um, it's a, it's a, it's an uphill battle, I think. And unfortunately we don't have strong enough leadership from the top down that is, uh, that, that has the capability to, to roll out a plan that, that works nationally or, or, or even at the state level and then it trickles down into the local level. But, um, it's scary, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, so I, I'm not an educator, so I, I have no idea what that feels like and what that anxiety is like. But as a parent, um, you know, where I look at my different family members or friends and, and we're all in different situations and the, the, the gap is widening 
Mm-hmm. And in these these situations and scenarios are real. And I mm-hmm. I, I don't know. My anxiety is through the roof. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> well, let me I apologize. I did I remember you did say you worked in business and I got mixed up from when you said you was That's gonna be okay. home wearing all those hats. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, let me answer <laughs> the question. Too. If you feel anxiety, <laughs> can't just drink some Merlot, you'll be all right. <laughs> bitch should be sleep. She gonna fall asleep <laughs> yeah, on the that's job. That's my dog. That's my dog. That's my dog. Listen, Miss Ariaga, piggyback off of that, and and, and, and uh, uh, Rob made a good point. You know, with all that's going on in our communities, you're a parent coordinator. You see it firsthand. I mean, you've seen situations where you know kids have, of course, been uh, shot, or situations have happened in the neighborhood, and kids may come to you, or the parents may come to you. What what what's how, what what's yeah? You know, so I mean, yeah. So the first thing I wanted to um, mention is that in terms of technology, so about 95% of our um, students right now do have either a laptop or a tablet. The tablets are for our younger, for our kindergartners, and then everyone else has Chromebooks. Um, in terms and those were, of- those were donated by the school district, correct? Yes, so okay. those were donated to Good the job, school Kansas district. Good job, Kansas City. Good job. So those were donated um, to the school district. Um, in terms of like- um, hearing anything negative as far as like when a student is on a zoom call if a teacher sees anything i have not heard you know obviously um, thankfully uh, not to the extent of um how he had mentioned um the only other thing and also hold on I'm trying, okay yep so there are students that we know that are high schoolers that may have to take care of the younger ones right. so that is also um something that um, i hear from our parents as well, like you know, their high schooler has to take care of the younger one, and then you know, so on now, and so I'm forth. Gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Dawn a question, Rod. I just gotta ask this question, Dawn. When when it first happened, and your kids were all quarantined at home, mm-hmm. and you were at home, even like were there moments where you, the older kids, uh, 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 I think your 13 year old had to help the uh, eight year old and the six year old. Like, were they yeah. was she helpful? From what I heard from the teachers, they were like kind of thrown into this, so it wasn't right. like. It wasn't so structured as supposedly it's supposed to be now. Right. So I was right. able to, you know, we weren't, I was able to go to work and then come home and then do their, I'm not going to lie. I probably did most of my third grade. I probably did most of her work when right. she did go back to school. I passed third grade for her, but you know, I'm tired. Work, yeah. You know, right. So stressed out and stuff from work. So I did most of her stuff, but. Yeah, there is a lot of, and you know, I um, if they're going to go, if they are going to go all virtual, my my older ones are prepared. Like you're going to have to get the kids on, you know, and right. that's just the way it's going to be, you know. Hey, Dawn, quick quick question. I know I know Kim has. Have you had one of those moments where you told that child, you know, sit your ass down? Yeah. You you you've had those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You look like you had one. You you look like you had one tonight. Like you like. See, y'all don't know. We know Dawn. She's being shy right now because the other night we was on a Zoom call for for his birthday and she was all happy. Now she want to be all professional, whatever this case may be. But go ahead. Hey, Rod. Let me let me do this quick drop. This is the Dog and Dust podcast show. Hold on. Oh, let me try that again. You got it. My producer got to edit that out. I've been sipping that Merlot. Here we go. This is the Dog and Dust podcast show. At home. Subscribe. Go ahead, Ron. Tell me where they can find us. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe now. All right, so we have a segment on our show. Um, and if you know uh, 
the late great Notorious Big, he wrote a song back in the day. Check it out. He wrote a song called I Got a Story to Tell. So you may not have a story to tell about COVID-19. We don't want to keep it doom and gloom. But we definitely want you to tell a story maybe based upon your educational experience, your, your experience as far as what you've gone through as far as this whole quarantine uh, with your children or just everyday life. I know a lot of y'all may have come across some Karens and some some Kins and some Susans <laughs> in a Walmart or a Target. You know, it's real out here, man. This quarantine life is crazy, man. I don't know. But, you know, we definitely um, appreciate the fact that you guys came on. But if anybody got a story that they want to tell as far as what they experienced these past six months, feel free. Uh, don't all talk at once. <laughs> oh, y'all quiet? Um, oh, wow. Any story? One story? Yeah. I have two stories, but I'll, I'll take a, a, a good one and a, and a not so good one. Okay. Um, so early in the quarantine where um, everything was shut down, people had not been driving for a long time. Roads were um, you know, pretty clear. Elderly people were staying home. Uh, my husband uh, was walking across the street and this elderly woman decided for some reason she needed to go somewhere and hit him. Oh. Um, so we experienced that early on and I, um, I had to come to the scene and like tourniquet his ankle and we got, you know, it was just, it was pretty horrific. Um, he's, he's okay now off of crutches. So that's, that's right. like Take the first. But then like, they wouldn't let me into the hospital. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, I put man. my badge on, I can enter. And it was right. just this whole hullabaloo. So I really feel for folks um, who had to deal with uh, illness with their family members and not mm -hmm. being able to be there by the, by their bedside. I mean, I did get in, but um, that's right. not the experience for everybody. And I guess the, the good story is that um just seeing the generosity of people during um, this pandemic. So uh, there's uh, a group, uh, Black Doctors COVID-19, that was started uh, by Dr. Stanford. Um, she's a surgeon, a pediatric surgeon. And this group, um, she started to just test Black people in the community because not only are we dying at higher rates um, from this COVID, we also haven't been tested. Um, as we needed to be. So she started this and I was able to go out and volunteer um, with her team in the community and just um, really just generous spirit and being able to give back in some way. So that was a pretty cool story. But that was beautiful. I know they did that at Enon Church in Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, that's my had, church. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, then, yeah. Uh, hey, Doc, don't you go there? <laughs> <laughs> like, you, be yes. you don't go to church. Yes. You a heathen now? Go, I know I'm a heathen. Oh, I ain't that. You ain't got to be a heathen. Anyone else got a story they want to tell? Doing quarantine? So I, have, Kim, I know you got a story. Oh, who got a story? Rebecca, you got a story? I have a story. So okay. one of the things that I've learned throughout this whole COVID um, situation is that children are very brave. Mm. Um, we don't give them as much credit as, um, you know, as we should. Um, one of the blessings that I've, that was just so, it was just so overwhelming for me is the, the amount of love that my parents have for me. And I'm very blessed to have that mm. relationship with them. Right. I've had, I've had students um, send me letters. I hope you're okay. The virus, you know, drawing like little viruses and, you know, those things and parents sending me videos of the children saying hi and just those different things. It just lets me know that, um, that I am very blessed and that I am walking in my purpose. Do you miss your children? Do you miss I your students? I do. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's, I, that's, I definitely do. I think all teachers that I've spoken to, like, even though at times we, 
can't stand our kids. We definitely miss them and love them. You know what I'm saying? Just the interaction. I think that's probably the more the difficult as far as things that I've heard. I mean, I never liked my kids when I was teaching. We were they <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I think that, and I know you, Rebecca, personally, I, I, I know that, you know, you, it's definitely heartfelt. Um, and I, of course, you know, we commend you for the job that you do. So see, I finally gave you some props. You know what I'm saying? I finally gave you some props. Anybody else got a story? Don't, you ain't got no story? Don't be a shot. We ain't going, we going. I have, I have a okay. funny story. My, okay. my little one and her best friend, they're like a couple months apart. My daughter's Eva, her best friend's Ava. So they talk on FaceTime or whatever because they don't, they can't see each other. Okay. What do you want to do? They're like, oh, Ava, what do you want to do? We're going to play doctor. Okay, we're going to play doctor. Okay, what's wrong? My sister got the Rona. That's beautiful. That was, like, you said, like, like Rebecca said, they know what's going Kids on. They're yeah, definitely yeah. aware of the mm -hmm. of the community. They're they're definitely aware of what's going on um, in society. Um, I'm gonna tell a story for Kim. Um, Kim, you gonna tell your story? <laughs> <laughs> no, you go ahead. No, 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 no I'm just gonna mess with it. I'm not messing with you. I'm just messing with you. But uh, Doc, you got a story? Who me? Yeah. No. You. I I do, but yeah, I ain't gonna tell it though. Uh, okay. All right. Then. Well, so listen, just real quick, I can say during this quarantine time for me, um, it made me, and and I'm not gonna get all mushy, but it really made me appreciate my wife more. Um. One of the things that I'll say, she's been home, and I'm not used to her being home. So initially, it was fun. You know, it was fun. <laughs> then after a while, I was like, this shit is, man, listen, somebody got to go back to work because I can't be in the house with you all day. But I think, and I'll honestly, it really made me appreciate not just her, but it made me appreciate, you know, and I don't mean to be corny, but life, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, Kim knows, like, we've, we, I've lost a few, we've lost a few flat, frat brothers since her husband's a bruh. Um, you know, lost a few, a few uh, uh, friends and things of that nature. So it just makes you appreciate life. And of, of course, just that, honestly, the everyday thing. Y'all can't, I don't know if y'all can see, but I'm wearing my grilling hat because I haven't been to a barbecue yet. Don't nobody want to have no barbecue. Nobody want social distance. I mean, they like, well, we can't, we can't have no barbecue and really social distance. So I'm just wearing my barbecue hat just because I miss being at a barbecue. Do summer. you have the barbecue sandals on too? No, um, I, I, I got a pedicure. I got a pedicure, so my feet are out. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, no, I, I do I'll got share. a story to tell, but I'm gonna well, let Kim go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I share. So we, um, we actually in the first um, week of all of this, we we lost. I lost a really close friend, and he was one of like I think the first five to to pass away here in, in Detroit. And so it became very real for us very fast. Um, just, you know, from, so I think, you know, to Sharif's point about appreciating family and that time, um, you know, there are times when I'm like, I, this is not what I signed up for. But um, when I start to feel that way, I do think, you know, I'm thankful that I'm safe at home and not stuck at home. And, and, and I do think about, you know, when will we ever have this much time to spend with each other's family? And, you know, um, so that's been a good thing. And then the other thing, too, has I have been hemming and hawing about, oh, I need to get in shape. I need to lose weight. And I hate the way, you know, and it, it, as I'm eating cookies, cakes and everything else in between. Um, but now we are um, 
with my girlfriend. I'm here in Michigan, but my friends are in New Jersey and we've been working out um, from, I think like the second or third week since it happened. And we get yeah. together on zoom and we work out and it's, and it's become, um, it's been now been extended. You know, we got some other friends in there that, that none of us have ever met, uh, but it, uh, except on zoom. And so it's just become a, um, a, a, a little safe space for us mm -hmm. to, we got something else to think about other than, you know, turning on the news and we start our day, uh, with with health and wellness and fitness and and seeing the results is great. Mm -hmm. yes. So it's been yeah, it's been it's they been good. They trying to get snatched, Rod. They said they hey. didn't want their summer bodies to go to waste. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, I don't blame them at all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They want to be snatched. So, but we we thank y'all for for you know that. Oh, hey, I ain't get to tell my story, man. Oh, my fault. Go ahead. Sorry, y'all. Real quick. So, as much as as much as I hate this pandemic and being shut down, um, one of the things I do appreciate is that you get to see family and spend time with the family in a way that you would not have had we never been shut down. So, I mentioned earlier I have a four year old um, son, and I had the luxury of spending four months at home, four months straight at home with him before he went back to school. So, I don't know. I, I might be like the a, a different type of kid. I never had an imaginary friend when I was a kid, but apparently my wife could relate to the story because she had one. So one of the things that I learned is that he has an imaginary friend and his friend's name is Ensign. Um, and so, you know, he talk, walks around the house, talk about him and Ensign doing this and him and Ensign doing that. One day I was sitting in the living room. He was in the dining room on the computer and he was just laughing, laughing, laughing. He was like, ha ha, Ensign said something. And I looked at him like, what the fuck? And this kid was like, really, like, you would have thought it was two kids in there, which only one was doing all the talking. So anyway, today we go to pick him up from school because we was out running some errands. So we both go pick him up. We're in the car and, you know, we went through the whole, Colin, how was your day? And things was like, he was good or whatever. Oh, I got to tell you guys something. Ensign has coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we told him, well, Ensign's not allowed in the house. He got to go self-quarantine somewhere. But, of course, by the time 7 o'clock rolled around, Ensign was upstairs chilling in his bed while he was downstairs on the couch. So that's my story to tell. But I, just, I just think that's, that's very awesome. funny. That's awesome. Well, that's that's our segment for I Got a Story to Tell uh, for the Dr. Dunn's podcast. Uh, so, listen, um, I want to thank you guys, or we want to thank you guys, um, for coming on, not only are you guys um, instrumental in your communities or in your households, but you're instrumental in the communities. I mean, we always try to give, you know, every episode we try to give good information, relevant information, raw information, but also something that people can take away um, from uh, when they listen to the show. So um, I thank you, Doc the Car. I thank you, Miss <laughs> Adiaga. I got to roll my R's, Adiaga. Uh, I got to thank you, Miss Hoyle, my sister from another Mr. and my old school homie for 26 years, Miss uh, Westcott Williams. I thank you, um, or we thank you because, like I said, we you know we really we wanted to bring bring a good show, but we also wanted to make sure that, like I said, we touched on a variety of things. And of course, we don't have all the answers, and this is a, a discussion or a topic that we, we could you know it's going to be talked about for not only for the next few weeks but probably if at least for the next few months with everything that's going on, just from, you know, a health standpoint, a social standpoint, and just the everyday standpoint. So, um, you know, that's me. Uh, Rod, you got something you want to say? Well, I mean, I think you said it all. I mean, everything that I was going to say, you pretty much said it. But we do appreciate y'all um, on the behalf of the Dr. Dust podcast. You know, your time is value. 
uh, Kim, I saw your son pop up a few times. He's like, <laughs> mom, let's go. <laughs> but no, we do appreciate your time. We know it's late. Um, we just hope that you guys stay safe. Um, we appreciate all that you do in the community. Keep doing what you do. We're going to get through this thing one way or the other. Uh, and, uh, rest in peace, Rob. Rest in peace to the young man, uh, your mentor, your mentee. One yes. Just, um, before you guys came on, I talked about a, a, a former student of mine who I lost, um, where we lost after I stopped teaching him and I was in the process of becoming his mentor and his life was cut short. Um, he was just outside one day hanging with some friends. He was an innocent bystander that got shot in a, um, in a drive-by. So I wanted to dedicate this episode to him. Um, I still keep mm -hmm. in contact with his mom just to make sure she's good. And I told her some things that I want to do on, in, you know, in honor of his name, you know, as I've progress through this journey so yeah give the hashtag again please give the hashtag again yes the hashtag is books or boots and the reason why they chose that hashtag is because he had two options in life and he definitely stuck with books his his life was trending in the life in the right direction um but unfortunately we didn't get to see what will have come of him so which is an unfortunate mm. story in our city so thank you ladies once again uh listen thank you vote for kamala harris Kamala. Uh, Kamala Harris, I messed it up, but vote for Kamala Harris. Uh, you know what I'm saying? First uh, black vice presidential nominee. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Making a change in 2020. So power to the people, as we always say. Rest in peace, George Floyd. All right. Peace out. One love. Good night. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Knowledge is king. Knowledge is king. Knowledge is king. Knowledge is king.